I'm really happy that we have, as an industry, gone through the calamity of, of the COVID um, you know, disruption in the markets with, with flying colors. Um, ETFs have delivered exactly uh, what they say uh, on, the, on the box. Welcome to the latest Fintia podcast. Today with us, we have Alex Vinokur, who I'm sure for most of our members doesn't really need any introduction. Beta Shares is one of the most established uh, ETF providers uh, in Australia. But Alex, welcome. Maybe you could give us a bit of an update on uh, the last um, 15, 16 months since uh, we last covered uh, uh, Beta Shares and yourself in, in finance. Um, Terrific, terrific. Well, good to uh, speak with you again, Lewis. And uh, what a 15 months it's been. Um, where do we start? Where do we start? 2020 uh, certainly started like a difficult year. We had we had bushfires in Australia, obviously, and everybody was worried um, about how, how Australia is, go- is going to come out of the bushfire season. From a market's perspective, you know, the market uh, more broadly had started uh, you know, obviously quite oblivious to what was uh, to what was coming down, um, you know, sort of down the pipe, and uh, and of course uh, when COVID, um, you know, sort of came onto everybody's radar uh, by March, you know, we have seen we have seen real uh, real calamity in the in the markets more broadly. From the business perspective, uh, March has been probably uh, in in some ways, uh, you know, a culmination of, of ten years worth of work for us at Beta Shares in the sense that despite the fact um, that we've seen very significant gyrations and, and in fact, very significant falls uh, you know, in the value of equities, our business has benefited uh, quite significantly from diversification. So just as we preach uh, diversification to our investors, we have certainly tried to practice diversification in, in building out a diverse suite of investment solutions for Australian investors, which encapsulates, you know, sort of our belief that as a business, you do need to be prepared for the worst. And and what we have seen is that um, some parts of the market, of course, have, have suffered significant drawdowns, but we have seen, um, you know, exposures such as uh, bonds, government bonds in particular, uh, gold, and, and a number of other non-correlated exposures. We have seen uh, the price of oil uh, back in March um, hit zero or go below zero, and um, having an oil ETF, uh, you know, in the stable was certainly uh, was certainly very um, helpful uh, in the sense that investors started investing. It was it was a very unpopular ETF, um, you know, prior to oil, you know, sort of hitting zero. Yeah. Uh, but but after that, it, it's it's really um, you know sort of um, you know sort of taken off in terms of popularity. So so what we have seen uh, from a business perspective is the benefit of diversification, uh, for sure, in, in that difficult period that, that we've seen. The thing that I'm really proud of and, and really happy to reflect on as I think about sort of the last, that last sort of 12-month, 15-month period is the fact that ETFs actually uh, were dealt a very significant, um, very significant stress test. And I'm not just talking about British shares ETFs. I'm talking about ETF industry overall. We have, have read... News reports, you know, in 2020 and 19, and and you know, going back every year, uh, saying that you know ETFs do well when times are okay, 
but just you wait until times are not going to be okay and that's going to be a real litmus test basically for the industry. And I'm really happy, really happy that we have, as an industry, gone through the calamity of, of the COVID you know, disruption in the markets with, with flying colours. ETFs have delivered exactly what they say uh, on, the, on the box. Uh, investors have benefited from the transparency, uh, from the liquidity that ETFs deliver. And, and, and that would probably, would probably, I hope, uh, you know, be the last uh, time that, that investors are questioning the robustness and, um, and, and the soundness of, of um, exchange traded funds as an investment vehicle. Fantastic. I mean, it is interesting to see, and I've heard it said that, you know, wait until it's uh, not as good time. That was a litmus test. So it's interesting to hear that. Maybe I could throw some numbers that you were expecting and wonder how that did go, whether we'll pick out specific ones or not. You know, we talked of the fact that there were, you expected 135,000 new investors in ETFs uh, over 2020, when we were looking at those predictions, did that happen? Did, can you? It it happened, and and a lot more, okay. and a lot more. Um, the industry has, in fact, added several hundred thousand uh, new investors. A lot of those investors uh, were first time investors, and a lot of them, of course, were experienced uh, investors. What we've seen during COVID um, is, is a few things. On the one hand, a lot of investors bought for the first time. Uh, and they were looking to buy the dip. Um, at the same time, a lot of experienced investors who had cash balances were looking to deploy uh, you know, those cash balances in more favorable market conditions. Uh, I think in addition to that, prior to COVID, we already were in an era of low interest rates. But subsequent to that, rates fell even further. And investors started really questioning the merit of keeping cash in their bank account, whilst the real interest rate, this is net of inflation, is, is negative. And, and what we have seen in 2020 is, is a real, really significant uh, growth in the number of investors that started to allocate funds away from cash into the markets. And ETFs, and again, I'm not just talking here about beta shares, I'm talking about the ETF industry, uh, exchange traded funds offer investors a simple, low-cost, diversified way to allocate uh, their investment capital. So, so ETFs have absolutely benefited from that environment. Uh, we as a business uh, have benefited greatly from that environment. We have started 2020 just shy of 10 billion uh, under management, uh, and we have finished 2020 just north of 15 billion. Under management, so we have more than fifty percent growth, and today we are managing over seventeen and a half billion. Um, just a few months, um, you know, several months since twenty twenty one. So, again, this is for me less uh, a story about beta shares. I think it is much more a story about exchange traded funds. I think that litmus test that I was talking about before, the stress test, had given a lot of people who were sitting on the fence confidence. That, that ETFs do deliver what they're supposed to deliver. And, and that had certainly served as a catalyst, uh, in my view, uh, to what is now a pretty significant wave of growth 
which the whole industry is benefiting from. The, the other number that I, um, we mentioned a little earlier, but um, that um, of financial advisors, the earning was sixty percent back in you know sixteen months ago. Um, have you seen has, has that increased as well? Do you know? Yes, yes, it absolutely has increased. I don't have a number that I can quote uh, quote to you, but uh, as in the industry numbers have not yet come out. Uh, however, however, uh, if I'm speaking anecdotally uh, and just reflecting on the experience. At BetaShares, um, it is fair to say that the number of advisors that have been recommending ETFs have grown quite significantly. I would expect, I would expect, and um, this this is not an official number, but based on our own experience at BetaShares, I would say that we probably today have three quarters of, of advisors um, who are either recommending ETFs or are in the process of uh, adopting ETFs uh, in their practice. So, so that trend is definitely continuing uh, and continuing quite strongly. Great, great. I mean, um, now looking forward um, and, and looking at the, uh, you know, the, the things that are the projects that you have got going and, and another thing that is on everybody's lips is uh, ESG. Yes. And you, you, or you're about to launch a product or it's, it's uh, can we, um, uh, where is that at the moment? Look, we, we have, we as a firm, uh, have, have invested very significantly in developing um, our capability in sustainable investing and ethical investing. We are managing uh, several billion dollars now uh, in dedicated strategies which are focused on true-to-label, uh, you know, true-to-label uh, ESG and sustainable um, you know, sort of investment exposures. They span global equities um, with EFI, which is our Global Sustainability Leaders ETF, uh, we that that's well over a billion dollars in assets under management. It won, you know, sort of quite a number of awards. Uh, it's 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 demonstrated through performance that investing ethically does not mean that you're leaving returns on the table as an investor. We have uh, subsequently launched Fair, which is an Australian sustainability leaders ETF, which is also adopting the same uh, true to label uh, ethical investment approach. And we have followed up with a number of other multi-asset um, uh, ETFs. We have recently launched uh, Climate Change and Environmental Opportunities uh, ETF um, uh, under the ticker Earth. What can I say on ESG? Uh, ESG is a subject matter which is quite divisive in a way. Uh, there's certainly, certainly uh, still a large number of investors uh, who, who do have the belief that investing ethically comes at the expense of, invest, of investment returns. Um, we certainly do not believe so. Um, we believe what's important in ESG is delivering true-to-label investment exposures, investing um, with values as opposed to investing to tick the box. Um, we have seen um, you know, significant progress uh, in areas um, such as engagement um, you know, with companies that we are investing in. Um, we have... Um, become quite unpopular with certain uh, boards uh, in Australia uh, by excluding companies, for instance, because they don't have gender diversity on the board. Okay. So companies that, that meet uh, you know, a number of um, criteria around, you know, sort of a number of criteria, mm -hmm. which I won't list now, yeah. but they do not yeah. meet gender diversity. Yeah. And I've had um, angry calls, you know, from, from chairman of, of some very high-profile companies who basically were complaining around why BetaShares does not allocate uh, or have excluded 
you know, a certain company, uh, you know, from from uh, from the uh, from the portfolio. So it's a really interesting space. Uh, it is growing fast. Uh, we are seeing that younger investors, on the one hand, are adopting ESG essentially as a core, um, and we are seeing on the other end of the spectrum a significant number of family offices uh, of non-for-profit organisations are allocating uh, their portfolios. Uh, you know, sort of towards uh, sustainability and 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 ESG aware uh, strategies. It is something that um, is um, is much written about and uh, much talked about. And, and um, yeah, probably I'll move on to one thing that is 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 as equally talked about and divisive for another product that you've got out. It's not that divisive that we need the police to come, uh, but um, crypto. Um, that's something that um, I notice uh, you, you're trying to launch or looking into launching. As would be one of the, you would be the first uh, in Australia, or you're buying with with others. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Look, uh, yes. Uh, talk about uh, talk about the divisive topic. It's a, it's a it's a great question, and we have been we have been watching the the evolution in, in crypto markets. Bitcoin in particular, uh, you know, for quite a number of years. And it's fair to say that today, um, I'm still none the wiser on the question of what Bitcoin is actually worth. And I still haven't met a person, and I speak to a lot of smart people, I still haven't met a person that can articulate to me with confidence, um, you know, what the intrinsic value of, of, of Bitcoin really is. However, at the same time, there is a very well-founded view that cryptocurrencies such as, such as Bitcoin could in fact serve as a digital form of gold, could serve as a store of value. And with that lens, it is fair to say that there is significant amount of interest and significant amount of demand, of course, uh, from investors. Now, as an ETF manager, we take our responsibilities of looking after our investors' assets extremely seriously. And the one question that we have been very focused on is about the safe custody of assets. We have seen a number of instances around the world over the past you know, five years mm-hmm. where various unregulated crypto exchanges uh, had been hacked into and, and, and people's money disappear. Today, uh, Australian investors, you know, tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of Australian investors obtain their investment in cryptocurrency through such unregulated exchanges. So the idea of a Bitcoin ETF or a cryptocurrency ETF actually being available on a regulated exchange with transparency around pricing with a professional custodian uh, holding assets, I believe, has a lot of merit uh, relative to the world of unregulated exchanges, which is which is how um, cryptocurrencies are currently uh, accessed. So, as a business, uh, when we've looked um, a few years ago at the viability uh, of launching uh, a cryptocurrency ETF, we had certainly not been confident. Um, that the ecosystem uh, is institutional enough to be able to support um, a Bitcoin ETF 
as an example. However, what we have seen in more recent times over the last you know, 12, 18 months' time is that you've now got firms such as Coinbase, which is recently listed, I think, at a valuation of, of um, over 100 billion uh, US dollars. Mm. Uh, you see firms uh, such as Fidelity. You are seeing firms such as BNY Mellon moving into the business of custodying uh, crypto assets. You are seeing a number of investment banks, whether it's Morgan Stanley, whether it's Goldman Sachs, and a number of others, uh, starting to offer institutional services uh, to participants in that industry. So from our perspective, it's fair to say that our level of confidence and comfort uh, of being able to deliver a product that meets strict BitterShares criteria of ensuring that assets are safely custody, the fact that you can calculate accurate fair value uh, for your investment is definitely a lot greater and is sufficient for us to be able to support an application to launch uh, a Bitcoin ETF in the market. Now, when that is approved or whether it is approved uh, is a separate question. I mean, that, of course, is outside of our control. Mm -hmm. I mean, we certainly have noted that some of the global peers, um, so countries such as Canada, uh, countries such as Germany, uh, and a number of others around the world uh, have now allowed um, cryptocurrency uh, mm -hmm. ETFs. Switzerland is another example. Um, so we will await, uh, of course, the the uh, you know sort of the results of the uh, of the consultation process uh, and and see how that goes. Um, and uh, that probably is the is the best way to update you on our plans. Okay, thank you. Um... I don't think, well, no, we should finish off on one thing that I think has just come out as we are the uh, Financial Services Institute of Australasia and we are in New Zealand as well. You've uh, launched, uh, you've um, an office there now. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, yes. Look, I mean, New Zealand, New Zealand is a market that, that we have been very close to um, over the past decade. And, and, and we have a great number of, of, of relationships with both institutional and advisor clients in New Zealand. We have always been, since, since day one, uh, very focused on execution, making sure that we do not just set out a, um, a good business plan, but we really focus on executing on that business plan. And New Zealand um, expansion and, and the establishment of an office um, is a reflection of, of the fact that, that, that we as a business want to be very thoughtful about what we do and how we do it. We are not uh, setting up, uh, you know, five offices uh, around the world. We have established a presence in New Zealand uh, in order to significantly increase our focus on servicing existing clients uh, and at the same time being able to expand the range of clients that we're dealing with uh, in New Zealand. So certainly watch that space. Uh, there's, there's a lot more to come. Brilliant. Alex, thank you very much for giving us this update. I think... Um all I'll say is um, we uh, we planned to do this about 12 months ago, probably uh, even a little bit longer, but um, things got in the way. Let's not leave it as long. We'll maybe catch up uh, in a few months' time to find out where these um, uh, these things have landed. Indeed, indeed. It was great, uh, great to catch up again. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.